God is so faithful. God is just so good. He is all we need. I believe it's Father's Day today. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. We had uh, spoken in staff prayer this morning, and uh, I believe it was Pastor Kevin who went, we have the best dads in this house. We have the most amazing fathers, and, and we just celebrate you today. We're so grateful for you and for the way that you're pouring into your families. And I just thought I'd take just a second and honor my dad. I had written a, a small thing for him a few years ago, and I'm just going to share it with you before we start. It says, Daddy, I remember... I remember the way you smelled like old spice and hard work. I remember the sound of your voice when you laughed. It was like dry sunshine, all raspy and warm. I remember the way your eyes had crinkles in the corners from laughing hard and often. I remember the feel of your hand as it held mine. It was strong. It was square. It was calloused. And it was safe. I remember the way grass smelled after you mowed it, wearing Bermuda shorts and black dress boots. <laughs> I remember the way you looked at Mama right before you snuck up behind her in the kitchen, wrapped your arms around her. Hold on. I know the suspense. <laughs> wrapped your arms around her and made her smile a secret smile. I remember the way you played guitar while all of us girls laughed and danced around your feet. I remember the first time I sang with you in church. Born again, free from sin, I'm happy night and day. Daddy, I remember missing you after you had gone, watching for you, listening for the sound of your car, not caring if you came, caring, not understanding, then understanding, hurting, praying, forgiving, but not forgetting. But now I remember all of the good things, the wonderful, loving man that you were, the lives that you touched and changed, the souls that were one to my Savior because of you. But most of all, I remember the way you smelled of Old Spice and hard work. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can just see those Bermuda shorts and dress boots. And he had the whitest legs, I'm just telling you. Just telling you. Y'all ready to get into the Word this morning? Amen. Let's stand up and let's read the Word together. It should be very familiar passage for you by now. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot a time to kill, and a time to heal. Father, I thank you so much for the seasons. I thank you, Father, that if we're in a bad one, a good one's coming. Father, and if we're in a, a good one right now, we know that you will walk with us when the bad one comes. You are a faithful God. So Lord, I ask, you said that you would awaken our hearts morning by morning to be taught of you. So I ask, Father, for awakened hearts in this space today. Father, that we could be taught of you, that we could learn something, that we could grow today, Father. Let everything that is of me fall to the ground and everything that comes from you, let it plant seeds deep in our spirit. And let it produce life consistent with righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking 
you know, th th this passage of Scripture, the portion that I have was a little bit interesting to me. I mean, the first week they got a, a time to be born and a time to die. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? That seems like a natural progression from uh, being born until to the passing of life. And then Mike shared about there is a time to plant and a time to uproot. That made total sense. But then mine says a time to kill and a time to heal. And I decided they just purely did that for rhyming purposes. <laughs> that it wasn't really. So anyway, I'm sure, no, God did have a purpose in it. And we're going to talk about that. But I just thought, Lord, I got to talk to them about there being a time to kill when the Ten Commandments clearly says... <laughs> Thou shalt not kill, so you're going to have to help me walk through this a little bit. And he sure did. He, he definitely did. And um, when I begin to study, I always go, how does this relate to me? And so this time to kill, I need to tell you all something. <laughs> well, actually, I kind of do. But um, when I was a teenager long before the beautiful man on the second row was sent to rescue me from myself. I dated some of the biggest, I mean, bad guys. <laughs> and can I tell you what? If you are 15 or 16 years old or 30 or 31, but if you are a teenager man, if I could tell you anything, it would be do not date now. Don't do it. God has somebody for you in about 10 years. And in between now and then, every person you go out with, uh, the enemy's going to try and convince you that they're the one. Oh, him, I love him. It's got to be him. Oh, it's her. I know it's her. Give it about six months. Because him will like another her. And you'll be broken. Listen, God has somebody for you and he doesn't even need your help to find them. And it's just not the teenagers. Some of the singles, let me tell you something, God doesn't need your help. And one of the things that was in my spirit so strong, and I didn't share it with first service because I knew it was in this room, there is somebody who is on an app right now, and you're swiping left. And I really felt like the Lord said to tell you that you, He has been convicting you for that. Because he has somebody for you and he's trying to protect you by telling you to get off of that thing. And I want to encourage you to delete it today. Because God, we can so interfere with God's plans with our own. If you can, you can trust that he has a plan for your life and he doesn't need your help to get there. He just needs your obedience. Amen? A time to kill. Now back to focus. I went out with this guy who I shouldn't have been going out with, which was the purpose for me to take that journey. And he, was, he wasn't good, and he was mean, and he was abusive to me, and I was stupid, and I thought, oh, I can change him. Does anybody relate to that? Oh, I can change him. My love will change it. No, it won't. It's going to get worse, I can tell you. Um, anyway, he was driving me home one night, and we lived in a mobile home on my grandmother's property. When I talk about my family, I go so Southern, I just can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. 
Um, and we, we, lived, we lived in a mobile home on my grandmother's property, and we lived just far enough to have a little bit of privacy, but not far enough away that she couldn't see us with her binoculars. <laughs> and she would sit by that window, and you'd just see the curtain do this. And uh, anyway, he drove me home that night, and nobody was home, and we'd been fighting. And when I say we'd been fighting, that means he'd been yelling, and I'd been crying and trying not to. And I didn't want to get out of the car when we got home, and he wanted me to get out of the car, and I wanted to fix it. Has anybody ever been there? You're trying to fix something that shouldn't be fixed. Anyway, sila. Um, and so he comes around to my side of the car to help me out of the car. And he yanks me out of the car, and I kind of fall to the ground, and I get up and I run into the building. I run into the house, and he runs in behind me. I had shut the door. He kicks the door open, and he comes in after me, and I'm backed up against the wall, and he's breaking things, and he's yelling, and he's in my face. And about that time, I hear a very familiar Granny's binoculars worked. <laughs> and I hear this, ch -ch -ch, and I look over, and there's my little four foot 11 <laughs> granny with a sawed off shotgun. <laughs> and it, this, this, that's what I saw, but in my mind's eye, this is what I heard. saw my granny go <laughs> but it is amazing how quickly an attitude can change when a double barrels in your rib cage and it's also amazing how quickly your hands automatically go up and so I'm looking at him and I hear her say in her best John Wayne voice son I think it's about time you went home and I look at his face and he says, yes, ma'am, I think you're right. That relationship didn't last. But I can tell you this, if he hadn't left skid marks on that linoleum floor getting out of that room, my grandmother would not have blinked twice. Because on Corbin Hill in Morgan County, there is a time to kill. And he had reached that time. Anyway, anyway, all that to say you really shouldn't date. But anyway, <laughs> there is a time to kill. And I know that that doesn't go with what the Scripture says when it says we are not supposed to kill. But if you look at Scripture, Scripture will show you that there were times when armies went in, when the Lord would send in people to take out a, a, a certain civilization, to take out a certain group of people, because, but it was always with the intent of preserving the coming generations. And God would step in and without fail, every single time, He would offer a season of grace to that civilization. And He would say, if you will turn, if you will change, if then I will, you know, God would give them an opportunity. But when they didn't heed that opportunity, when they continued to, to follow strange gods and worship strange idols, God will intervene when He has to. Don't you know that God will intervene in our lives if we need Him to? 
but always he's trying to lead us with instruction before then. But our military today, they fight battles, unreal battles, and they do it because they are honoring the vows that they've made. You know, Scripture tells us, uh, I, it, Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and unto God that which is God's. And I understand that in that certain instance, he was talking about money, and they were trying to, to trap him. But the principle applies when uh, you apply it to Romans 13 that says we are all to be subject to governing authorities, that no authority is established unless God establishes it. And we are supposed to be subject to those authorities. So when our soldiers and our military uh, step into that place of rendering to Caesar that which is Caesar's, the things that belong to him, and they step in under that authority, they take this vow. And I hope I can do it. Uh, but they, they take a vow and it says, I solemnly swear, and you're supposed to put your name in there, but I'm not going to because I think I'll be in the military if I do that. <laughs> They'll be like, where's Barbie? Well, she's in Afghanistan. <laughs> Don't think I haven't gotten myself in those situations before. But they say, I solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me uh, according to regulation and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. That's their vow. And then they complete it by saying, so help me God. So help me God. And they enter into this covenant. And part of that covenant that they make in coming under that governing authorities may include a time to kill. It just may. And they walk through that in obedience. And, they, and even though it violates the heart and the soul of a woman or a man to have to take the life of someone else, I do believe that it is covered and that God honors those soldiers as they step into battle and He covers them as they keep their vows before their governing authorities and before their God. And we are to pray for them and to cover them. But even beyond this, this physical death, this physical healing, there's another portion of Scripture that talks about the things that we are supposed to put to death in our own life. It says in Colossians 3 that we are supposed to put to death. And it literally means to slay, to slaughter, to remove any trace of these particular things. And sometimes we think, well, I'm just not going to do that sin anymore. And we take it and we just set it right here so we can pick it up again if we need it next Tuesday. And we set this aside, but God's going, no, I want you to rid yourself of any trace of it. Get rid of it, kill it, and let it go. Well, what might those things be? I'm going to list a few. Thank you for asking. And uh, I'm going to list a few and you can tell me if they apply to your life or not. The very first thing it talks about is sexual sin. Oh, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. <laughs> sexual sin, whether you are participating in it or just watching it. Impurity. 
boy, that can cover a lot of things. And that has to do with the things that cause mixture in our soul and our spirit, bring impurities into a place that God is trying to clean up. Impurities, lust, that can be Home Depot. I want, I want, I want. This is not enough. I want more. Lust, greed, greed, always wanting more. And it talks about that being a form of idolatry. No, I just want it. Well, be happy with what you've got. Worship the God who's given you everything you have and rejoice that you have what you need instead of constantly thinking about what you need next. He calls it idolatry. And then he really gets personal. Then he steps right into our living rooms and he says, get rid of anger of rage, of malice, of slander, of foul language, and lying. And some of you are going, well, if I get rid of all that, what am I going to do this weekend? <laughs> what am I gonna... God says, get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. It should have no part in your life. It, you shouldn't look like that. It shouldn't be who you are. And I have, have sat with people and I've tried to minister to people and, um, you know, a, a husband and a wife arguing and, and whether it's he or whether it's she that just goes into a fit of rage, they're mad and, and you're screaming at your spouse and you're yelling at your kids, which never works, by the way. You're screaming at your spouse and you're yelling at your kids and you're just, just breaking loose on them and then you walk away in a few minutes and you start feeling guilty because you shouldn't have done it and you walk back in and you go, I'm so sorry, baby. I just couldn't help it. But you could have helped it because if Pastor Ronnie was sitting in that living room when you just did what you did, you would have helped it. You wouldn't have yelled at him all the way to church if he'd been in the back seat. I know. I know. And did I mention we have refreshments in the well? <laughs> Time to kill some of those things. There is a time to kill. And I believe every day in the life of a believer is a day when we need to be putting to death those things that the Lord says, get rid of this stuff. Take it out of your life. Okay, now let's move on to the happy healing part, all right? Healing. You know, they say time heals all wounds, but that's a lie. Number one, time doesn't heal anything. God is our healer. And number two, everything doesn't always heal. It just doesn't just doesn't, but it doesn't give us an excuse to walk and be mean to people. Just because you've been hurt doesn't, that can't be your excuse to hurt other people, okay? Just because you're still wounded doesn't mean that you're supposed to be taking those wounds out on everybody else. God in His great grace and, and His overabundant mercies gives us the strength to walk wounded when we have to. And it shouldn't look like night of the living dead. It shouldn't, we can walk with strength even while we're healing. What a concept. What, and we can display the character of Christ even though our heart's broken. What else are we going to do? What else are we going to do? Healing in, in the... Um, I had asked... Uh, I mean, C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Problem of Pain. He said, God whispers. God whispers in our, in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience and he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse, to rouse 
a sleeping world, a, a, a deaf world. Sometimes, even though God may not be causing your pain, He will use it to get your attention. He will step in because you know what? Sometimes there is something greater taking place than you being healed physically. Sometimes God will use your pain to develop your character. Sometimes He will use that pain to help bring you to the point where you are listening to Him, where He has your attention. And then a lot of times we blame God and go, why have you let this happen? And He said, you were the one driving 90. And we blame God for things. When pain comes, man, the first thing you ought to do is listen for God's voice. God, teach me, walk me through this until we get to the healing. God is faithful and can heal. Amen? Okay, so these still, to me, seem like opposite ends of the spectrum. A time to kill and a time to heal. And I'm like, God, how in the world do you bring those two things and have them make sense? Don't ask God a question unless you want an answer. Because He does. He is so good. And He brought the answer about a week ago. Let me tell you, the reason we did uh, communion early is because I really felt that the Lord wanted us, to go, wanted us to go a specific direction here at the end. And we always want to be obedient to Him. Amen? No matter what's going on. In the... But about a week ago, I um, had an encounter with a young soldier. And... He had just returned from his third deployment in Afghanistan. And um, I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about him. All I knew was that he's about the same age, actually went to school with my oldest son. And um, he came in, and I totally blame Pastor Ronnie for this. I totally blame him for a lot of things, but for this specifically, (laughs) for this specifically, I blame it because we were at his house and that house is anointed. That place has had so much God in it that anybody who walks through those doors is going to encounter God. You know, it's just, it's just going to happen. And he comes in to do some work and, and I mean, like within five minutes of being there, he tells me, he says, you know, I'm back, just got back from my third deployment in Afghanistan. And he said, And I just lost my son. He said he died a couple of months ago. And he said, you know, he said, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And I just, you know, was trying to be kind to him and encouraging him. And and, I mean, at least 10 times he'd say, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And he said, you know, I was just wondering. He said, when I was over there, he said, I had to do the most unspeakable things. And he said, do you think that God would take my son because of what I did. And I said, no, buddy, God wouldn't do that. He said, but you don't understand. He said, you don't understand what I've done. I said, God sees you. God knows it. exactly what you've been through. And I said, you've got to talk to him. And he said, he said, me and him, we're not on good terms right now. And he said, I used to go to church. He said, but I can't go in there anymore. He said, I'm so mad at God. He said, I'm so mad at God for what's happening. I said, you know what? He can handle that. 
God can handle your anger. And he said, well, do you think me being mad at him for everything that's happened, do you, do you think that's what caused it for my son? I said, listen, we don't know our day. You know, we don't know why those things happen. We just don't understand. He said, well, doctors have given me all this medicine and it can't help me. He said, and these psychologists and these counselors, they're not helping me. Nobody can help me. And I said, God can help you, buddy. God can help you. I, and he said, but I can't talk to him. I said, listen, he had told me earlier that he had an older son. I said, if your son was mad at you and he was hurting and he was upset, would you prefer that he just go off in his room and never tell you anything that's going on? Or would you prefer that he come and get in your face and go, listen, daddy, this is what's happening. You know, I'm so mad at you and I'm so upset with you. Which would you want? And he said, oh, I'd want him to talk to me. I said, that's your father. That's your father. He wants you to talk to him. I said, can we pray for you? And he's just standing there, still in his military stance, you know. And he said, absolutely. Sue got on one side of him. He was facing this way. And I just came beside him and I linked my arm through his and turned toward him. And I put my hand on his back and I said, oh, father. Father, your son needs you. Father, I ask that you would just open up this line of communication, Father, that you would help him in his pain, Father. You saw everything that happened across those seas, and you saw everything that happened in that hospital room. All of it, God saw. All of it. Everything you've walked through, I want you to know that God sees. And for this young man, at that moment, he had most definitely been through a time to kill. But God was bringing him into a time of healing. And as we prayed for him that day, he tried so hard to hide it. But as he had his head bent, those tears just began to fall. And I thought God is beginning his healing journey right now. God is going to take that young man into a place of healing. Don't you understand that healing doesn't always happen like that? It's a journey that we take until finally one day we hurt, we hurt, we hurt. And then the, later in the day, we're like, wait a minute, I didn't feel that pain today. Wait a minute, I was actually happy today because that journey toward healing is something that only God can do. And there are some in this room that you've got physical pain. You've got physical pain and it is debilitating and you have cried out and you've said, God, if you don't heal me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then there are some in this room that have emotional wounds, that, that have broken places, that you have been crying out and asking God to heal for so long, but you keep your hands clutched over it where He can't get to it. You, and, and God wants to heal that. But for all of us as a body today, we're all a little broken. We're all walking through a, a wounded, grieving place together. We've all suffered loss together. And what I see in my spirit is the same thing I saw with this young soldier is just a linking of arms. If we will just link together, if we will just support one another, if we will be there for one another, moving forward, God is going to take us on a journey of healing toward Him. God is going to heal some wounds and minister to some people. Amen. So this is what I would like to do. I did it a little different in first service, but I missed God in some things. So if I could have the elders and their spouses, would you come forward?
admin board and spouses, if you're in the space, would you come to to minister? I believe God wants to bring us into some healing this morning. Pastor Ronnie, can I put you in the middle? And Valerie. And I'm going to ask you all to just link arms for a second. Jesus. Could you guys stand and could you, first thing I would appreciate if you would extend your hand toward these. I want us to minister to them and then they're going to minister to you. So if you would just begin to pray. Father God, we thank you for the leadership of this house, Lord. We thank you for each of those in this place today, God. And I'm asking for a special anointing, Father, in this season. A covering, Father God. A unity, a linked together place, Father. That we would strengthen one another. That we would lift one another's hands in this time. I thank you for the journey that we are on. We thank you for the hope of tomorrow. Father, cover our pastor's head in this day of battle. Let your glory be his rear guard. Surround them and keep them, Father. Give us wisdom and discernment in everything we do, God. We are trusting you and leaning on you, Father. And for the rest, if you have a place of physical healing that you need, emotional, spiritual, or if you are still reeling from the week's events, would you come now? We're going to minister to one another. Let them minister to you. And we are going to pray.